and welcome to The Scoop. I'm Dinah Jansen. On June 23rd, 2021, the Maltby Center announced that it's marking its 25th anniversary of providing mental health and autism services for children and youth in the Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington area with a bold new strategic plan. Today, to talk about the Maltby Center's services and new strategic plan is Maltby Center's Executive Director, Karen Fleming. Welcome, Karen. Hi, Dinah. Thank you so much for the invitation to speak with you today. Very excited to have you and learn so much more about Maltby Centre and uh, what's happening moving forward. So can you tell us about the Maltby Centre, its uh, mission, its values and and the services that it provides to children and youth in the KFLNA? Yes, I'd be happy to do that. Maltby Centre has been around for 25 years. Our previous name was Pathways. And so you may uh, be aware of us under that uh, moniker. Uh, recently, a few years ago, we changed our name to the Maltby Center. And so we have actually been in KFLA for quite some time, um, providing services to uh, kids and families with autism uh, and or uh, mental health needs. And uh, we've got uh, just a great roster of staff who are highly educated, Um, very compassionate and caring uh, to support uh, families and uh, kids as they move through uh, completing goals and objectives that are important to them. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, uh, CFRC, of course, has learned that the Maltby Centre has created a, a brand new vision statement entitled Inclusion, Acceptance, A Life Without Barriers. Mm-hmm. Tell us tell us more about what this means for something like e- equitable and accessible service and, and to what does the vision statement commit your organization? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a this is really um, describing what we see in our long term future, and uh, visions are always uh, designed to uh, challenge us as we as we think about where we're headed, and um, this new vision really uh, reflects. Uh, and is meaningful to where we are now uh, as a society, or where we are uh, as a multi center. It, uh, it, it demonstrates and brings to life uh, some of what we've experienced uh, globally, uh, locally uh, over the last 16 months. And uh, we just want to ensure that we are reflecting back uh, what we feel uh, is important uh, going forward. So inclusion, uh, everyone uh, is welcome at uh, the Maltby Center, regardless of uh, beliefs, um, gender, everyone is, uh, is welcome. And um, we're also hoping that it speaks to um, our clients who feel that life has presented them with a lot of barriers. And uh, we want to be a barrier-free organization and uh, be certainly very accepting uh, of anyone who walks through our doors. So let's hear a little bit more now about the three-year strategic plan. Uh, What goals has the Maltby Centre set for itself and how will it execute them? Yeah, so um, the strategic plan is, uh, sometimes it can be really confusing to people what a strategic plan actually is. Hmm. And uh, it's a document that is a blueprint uh, for for, for Maltby for the next three years. 
And we wanted to be very thoughtful about what was going to be the pillars or the cornerstones of our strategic plan. Uh, one of the pillars, our first pillar is about access and uh, providing the right supports and services at the right time and in the right place. And this is really uh, talking about providing best practice, evidence-informed, flexible and adaptable services and ensuring that we are actually building an inclusive environment and uh, providing access to services within a 24 hour period. Mm -hmm. Our second pillar, so really our first pillar is all about our clients because that's our reason for being. And our second pillar is focused on our people. And uh, we wanna be a competitive practice destination uh, and a recognized community care employer of choice. And uh, so focusing on things like recognizing and rewarding our staff for delivering the exceptional service uh, to our clients and investing uh, in our staff through training and development, and then focusing on retaining our staff and recruiting new staff who share our values and move us towards achieving our vision and mission and then strengthening that interprofessional collaborative practice and ensuring that professionals are working together to optimize the wellness of our clients and their families. Our third pillar, we have four. Our third pillar is operational excellence. And this is really to deliver quality, efficient, effective systems and services that demonstrate a very clear positive impact for uh, our diverse mental health and autism spectrum disorder clients. Uh, and we're going to demonstrate that by managing our resources in a very efficient and effective way, using data to drive quality and decisions and uh, developing uh, a really strong communication engagement strategy that sets us apart and uh, really places us as a leader in mental health and autism services. We have been starting with our, the province and with our partners to really re-envision and rebuild the Autism Spectrum Disorder Service uh, as a showcase for innovative uh, services. And we are looking to build very strategic relationships with um, private, the private sector to generate new revenue streams um, because funding has changed, particularly in autism. Uh, funding that was historical legacy funding has really changed and we need to be innovative and creative in the way that we're looking at our funding. And then finally, the last pillar is partnerships and system integration. And under this pillar, we want to continue to build those exceptional partnerships to create a thriving, high-performing care delivery system for mental health and uh, autism spectrum disorders in our region and beyond. And to do this, we are committed to partnering with clients and families to ensure that their service delivery needs are met, to focus on strengthening partnerships in order to improve system integration and navigation, and then uh, provide support to our partners who may not have back office supports like human resources, uh, to be able to provide some support to them uh, mm -hmm. because uh, our, um, 
in partners in the, in the uh, region are very, very important uh, to us and to our clients. So I'd like to learn a little bit more too from you, if we can, mm-hmm. um, for, and our listeners who may not have ever been involved in what strategic planning for an organization looks like, but what does it look like and who's involved in the process? Right, right. Yeah. So um, strategic planning is something that is uh, a board of directors driven um, event and it's a process and um, it's a process to develop that, that roadmap, that blueprint for the next three years. And it starts by really assessing uh, where we are and where we're going. And that is where we're going um, is really uh, about the environment and uh, what's happening in the environment, the social environment, the political environment, uh, and really determining how we fit into what's happening. So it's also then going to uh, become a record of our mission, our vision, our values, um, our long-term goals that we've just talked about and our action plans on how we're going to achieve achieve those goals. So our board of directors uh, reached out to a consultant who spent uh, a lot of time uh, in meeting with a variety of stakeholders because we want input into our strategic plan from all of our partners, our partners in the community, our clients and families, our staff. Uh, So uh, they spent time in conversation with uh, our partners and um, held interviews, focus groups, uh, surveys, and we had 130 voices uh, that contributed to uh, our uh, new strategic plan. Uh, and we learned a lot uh, through that uh, through that process. Um, we heard that um, our uh, stakeholders wanted us to present a bold interpretation of Maltby's direction and future mandate, and we feel that we've accomplished that. Uh, They really want us to shift our focus on access and impact for Mm -hmm. children and youth with mental health and autism spectrum disorders. And we feel that we have accomplished that as well through this new strategic plan. They wanted us to refine our values to align with the day-to-day work of the center. And uh, we have some really neat uh, new values under the acronym of ICARE. And uh, which is in, in you know that inclusive, uh, collaborative, uh, compassionate, accountable, respectful, and uh, and excellent. And then really focus on our people. And you've heard me already speak about that pillar that is entirely reflected of, of our reflective of our people. And then it was very important to all, including uh, me and the board, that we embed inclusion, anti-oppression and anti-racism, that lens uh, into our strategic priorities. Thank you for breaking it down for us. Appreciate that. So I've got to ask, what excites you most about the new vision statement and strategic plan? Well, I think our vision is uh, really um, transformative. It's bold and it's going to drive us forward. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Um, our mission, of course, is, is who we are and what, what we're doing. So that's, uh, that's really important to acknowledge that. And I love our new values. So uh, I think that overall, it's, it's a really energizing strategic plan and uh, I'm looking forward to embarking on the journey. 
Okay. And now before we close today, where can listeners learn more about the Maltby Center's many services? And of course, how might they access them? Right. So um, we've got lots of ways for Maltby Centre to be accessed and for people to learn about Maltby Centre. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn. So lots of opportunities through social media to uh, access information. But also we've got tons of information on our website at maltbycentre.ca. So certainly feel free to have a look around on our website. Uh, There is uh, um, specific information on how to connect with us on our website, including a phone number, um, as well as uh, a form uh, to submit through the website uh, to have someone contact you back um, for, uh, for services. Okay, great. Anything else to add before we close today, Karen? No, I, w- I would really like to thank you, Dinah, for um, allowing me this opportunity to talk about Maltby, uh, to talk about our really exciting new strategic plan, uh, and to talk about what we do uh, within KFLA. So thank you. Absolutely. We're always delighted to have community organizers and organizations on our airwaves and come back anytime. Thank you. So thanks very much, folks. We have been chatting with Karen Fleming, Executive Director of the Maltby Centre about its child and youth mental health and autism services and the organization's new vision and strategic plan. Karen, we really do appreciate your time today. Come back anytime. Thanks, Dinah. Welcome to The Scoop. I'm Dinah Jansen. In recent news, last week the province announced that on June 30th at 12.01 a.m. Ontario will move to step two of the Roadmap to Reopen plan. And that means outdoor social gatherings and organized public events for up to 25 people are permitted. Indoor gatherings and organized public events for up to five people are permitted. Outdoor dining for up to six people, a table, essential and other select retail services are permitted at 50% capacity, non-essential retail at 25 Stores and shopping malls can be open with restrictions. Larger indoor religious services, rites and ceremonies, including weddings and funerals, are able to go forward at 25% capacity. Outdoor religious services, rites or ceremonies, including weddings and funerals, are capped at the number of people that can maintain a physical distance of two meters. Overnight camping is also permitted. Personal care services where face coverings can be worn at all times are at 25% capacity. Outdoor fitness classes are capped at the number of people who can maintain three meters of distance. Public libraries can be open at 25% capacity. Outdoor meeting and event spaces at 25% as well as outdoor amusement and water parks, outdoor sports games, leagues and events. Outdoor cinemas, performing arts, live music events and attractions can also be at 25% capacity as well. So for more information, you can visit CFRC's website at cfrc.ca and go to our news page and we've got the breakdown of all of the details from the province there. 
And in further provincial news, Ontario is allowing anyone aged 18 and up who received a first dose of a myRNA vaccine to book their second dose starting 8 a.m. June 28th. That means anyone who has received Pfizer or Moderna will be eligible to book their second shot ahead of schedule using the provincial system, uh, which the province hopes will accelerate second dose eligibility for about 1.5 million Ontarians. For those who have received their first dose, there is a 21-day minimum interval between Pfizer doses and a 28-day minimum interval for Moderna. And in regional news, the YMCA and its partners are bringing a teen drop-in centre to Gananoque in response to voices of local youth and following the success of the teen program in operation at the Brockville YMCA. The YMCA of Eastern Ontario is collaborating with the town of Gananoque, the United Way, the Gananoque Police and RNJ Youth Services to deliver a drop-in program for teens in Gananoque over the summer. This mobile teen drop-in centre would provide teens with access to free Wi-Fi, a safe space and some good food. The United Way has provided $10,000 for this initiative and the town of Gananoque is matching the contribution. Gananoque Police and Fire Services are donating use of the mobile command trailer to use as a drop-in space and the YMCA is covering the remaining $5,000 of the project. And in local news, the Kingston Arts Council has announced that the remaining $20,000 available in the City of Kingston Arts Fund Resiliency grant stream will be awarded to 20 local professional artists through the grant's second intake period. Total funding for the resiliency grant was $100,000. The first $80,000 in funding was distributed to 80 artists starting in May. This special funding opportunity was made possible through Kingston City Council, who approved the additional $200,000 to be distributed through the City of Kingston Arts Fund in 2021 in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And through this grant stream, 100 Kingston-based artists received support. The resiliency grant marks the first time the City of Kingston Arts Fund has provided funding directly to artists. The $1,000 grants were awarded on a first-come, first-served basis to eligible local professional artists to help them continue to work and to work safely during these challenging times. 263 unique eligible applications were received through two rounds of the resiliency grant stream, with a total funding request of $396,000, or nearly four times the $100,000 invested in the stream through the City of Kingston. A full list of the recipients can be found on the Kingston Arts Council website at artskingston.ca and recipients range from emerging to established artists working across a variety of disciplines. Additionally, in response to the number of applications to the Resiliency Grant and the demonstrated need for funding support for local artists, the Kingston Arts Council is launching a community fundraising campaign to raise money for distribution among artists through the Resiliency Grant program. Donations received by the Kingston Arts Council through the fundraising campaign will be distributed through a third intake period in the fall, and the guidelines established for this program will be followed and $1,000 grants will be administered again. Donations to the Resiliency Grant can now be made through Kingston Arts Council's Canada Helps page at canadahelps.org. All donors will receive a charitable tax receipt and recognition on the KAC website. In other local news, local charities looking to develop their own sustainable sources of funding can take advantage of the Community Foundation for Kingston and Area's new matching grant opportunity. The Community Foundation is offering matching funding for up to $10,000 for local charities wishing to establish a new endowment fund with them. The Foundation's Board of Directors has set aside sufficient funds to offer a dollar-for-dollar match for up to 10 charities to establish a new agency fund at the Foundation. Participants must be a registered charity in the geographic area served by the 
the foundation, and funds are to be used to establish new funds. A smaller match of up to $1,000 is available to the 25 charities that have existing funds held at the foundation. For more information on establishing an endowment fund with the foundation, visit their website, cfka.org. And in recent Queen's University campus news, the university has announced the election of 10 new councillors to University Council on Wednesday, June 23rd. Established in 1874, University Council is one of the three governing bodies of Queen's University whose members are elected from among its alumni. And though not directly involved in operations, the council may bring to the Senate or Board of Trustees any matter that it believes affects Queen's well-being and prosperity. University councillors also engage in the promotion of the university's interests and represent alumni perspectives at the council's annual general meeting. For more information about the university council and its membership, visit the university secretariat and legal council website. And in other campus news, the Agnes Etherington Art Centre, in partnership with CFRC 101.9 FM, is launching a new monthly podcast series entitled With Opened Mouths, the podcast on July 12, 2021. In this new series, Dr. Kanita Leela, Associate Curator Arts of Africa sits down with artists, musicians, curators, and spoken word poets to discuss the expression of their practice. How did they find their artistic voice and which life events shaped them and who are their inspirations? The podcast also coincides with the Open Mouths exhibit, which will be on view at the Agnes Etherington Art Centre from the 7th of August through the 30th of January. Stay tuned to CFRC and Agnes Etherington Art Center social media for more details on the launch of With Open Mouths, the podcast. Music.